we got the alternative energy. Right. free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. In the dreaming, children were free. They played and lived and enjoyed life. But one day, these happy children were attacked by Mummel, the monsters of self-doubt, sadness, depression. At first, they ran away, but then the kids realised they could beat these monsters. They turned around to face their foe and stood tall to beat the monsters down. So this story brings the experiences of the dreaming into today. We can beat these monsters down. Hello and welcome. I'm AC and you're listening to The Radioactive Show, recorded at 3CR in Fitzroy, Melbourne, on the traditional lands of the Rwandari people of the Kulin Nation, and broadcast across the stolen continent through the Community Radio Network. On The Radioactive Show today, we're talking about the proposed mine at Yuliri in Western Australia. I spoke with Richard Evan, Kuara tribal leader and traditional owner of Yuliri, and Mia Pepper, nuclear-free campaigner from the Conservation Council of WA. Later, I also speak with Jim Green, National Nuclear Campaigner for Friends of the Earth, about the situation internationally and how that impacts on the nuclear industry in Australia and proposed mining projects like the one at Yuliri. Yuliri is a sacred site in the northern goldfields region of Western Australia, threatened with a uranium mining proposal by Canadian company Cameco. The traditional owners have been fighting for over 40 years to protect Yuliri from mining, working with Indigenous and non-Indigenous environmentalists, pastoralists, scientists and activists from around the world to stop the mine from going ahead. The fight received a blow recently when WA Environment Minister approved the mine at the state level, ignoring opposition from traditional owners and going against the recommendation of his own Environmental Protection Agency. After community consultation and scientific examination of the mine proposal, the agency has concluded that the proposed mine would cause a number of subterranean fauna unique to the area to become extinct. I asked Richard how he reacted to the news that the proposal at Yuliri had gained state approval. Um, it didn't surprise me at all um, because um, uh, that's how uh, governments say, say something and and pull the pin on them all the time because um, it, it's their nature to do, do so. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. No. And what do you feel like are the risks that that proposal poses for the environment and cultural heritage at Yuliri? Well, these, um, the, especially the minister who gives an approval and all mm-hmm. ministers, they, they actually need to come and sit down and talk to us. Yeah. Um, and I mean talk to the uh, the real traditional owners of the land. Yeah. They haven't taken it. The WA Environment Minister has ignored the recommendations from the EPA. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so I'll just give you, a, give, you, give you an idea. But um, a stick of fauna is um, those little um, animals out there, um, out, out there in, in the ground. Um, just to put it mildly, also, is. Um, we as Aboriginal people in this, in this country, according to the 
according to the constitution of, of Australia, um, we are still um, fauna and flora. Mm. So what government is trying to do is destroy us um, uh, in any way possible just to get the land. And this is what they're doing actually to this fauna uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so that's no that, that's no surprise to me in what they're doing, and what um, uh, these two um, people, um, uh, foreigners, are making uh, arrangements about what what happens on my land. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't like the decision at all, and that and these people are, they're not talking to one another about it. Um, what do you feel would be a good way that people can support you and the community out there who are trying to stop the mine from going ahead at Ulleri? Um Well, we have an annual march. Um, uh, everyone can come along and, and uh, talk um, and, and support us in our, in our walk against uranium. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So you, your community's been, been fighting this proposal for the last 40 years um, yeah, successfully. Um, that's, uh, our elders have, have um, actually started a war rolling yeah. and we're still, we're still in that um, fight against it because, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you said for this January 26th you're going to be at the 10th Embassy um, in Canberra, which started 40 years ago, so there's I guess that kind of yeah, um, um, yeah we, we, that's what we're here for, mm. um, and what we're doing is going to be um, uh, telling government that they don't have any legal right on this land here. Yeah. They don't have any legal right, so um, the citizens of this um, so-called system need, needs to, um, they, they need to get, um, get there and find out about it as well, otherwise they just... just they're just arguing about, um, arguing about things that they do not know. Mm. This, this country is built on lies, and it, um, uh, you, the people, the non-Aboriginal people, are the ones who's benefiting from it. Mm. And yet you, um, and yet you don't um, listen to your own legal opinions about this country. <laughs> That was Richard Evans, Kawara tribal leader and traditional owner Uliri, speaking about the state minister's decision to approve Uliri, a decision that they had no right to make on his traditional lands. The walk on country that Richard spoke about in the interview is the Walkadura Walkabout, and you can learn more about it at walkingforcountry.com. That's walkingforcountry, no spaces, dot com. I'm AC, and you're listening to The Radioactive Show. Next up, I speak to Mia Pepper, nuclear-free campaigner at the Conservation Council of WA. Mia talks about the situation in WA more broadly, with proposed mines at Mulga Rocks, Waluna and Yaliri now all awaiting consideration by the Federal Environment Minister after being approved at the state level. She talks about the importance of the WA state elections in March, which could see the pro-nuclear and unpopular Barnett government being voted out, and a new government with a policy that bans uranium mining in the state.
So I'm speaking with Mia Pepper, who's the nuclear-free campaigner at the Conservation Council of WA. How are you doing, Mia? Yeah, good. Good to be on the show. Thanks for having me. No worries. Good to talk to you. Um, can you tell us what's happening with the push to open up uranium mines in WA? Sure. So um, without going too far back into history, when the Liberal National Government was elected in WA, they lifted the ban on uranium mining. So for the last eight years, we've seen about 250 exploration projects across the state mm-hmm. and four proposals to mine uranium. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, we don't have any operating mines in WA, which is great, mm. particularly after eight years of a very pro-nuclear government, um, largely because of community opposition, but also because of the low uranium price um, yep. That's really held up the industry in WA, um, which has been great. But more recently, um, because there's a state election around the corner in WA, we've seen a huge push for projects to to try and get approval before the election. Um, in WA, the Labor Party and the Greens Party have policy positions that oppose uranium mining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these, these companies have been trying to kind of secure their position in the state by getting approvals under a, a favourable government. And so since December, we've seen three uh, mines approved. Mm-hmm. The Mulga Rock Project, which is just outside of Kalgoorlie. Yeah. The Waluna Project, which is about 600 kilometres north of Kalgoorlie. And the Yaliri Project, which is about 80 kilometres from Waluna. Um, mm-hmm. Now, all of those projects have serious problems with them um, for different reasons. But the most shocking of all of these decisions has been Yaliri. Yeah. Um, the EPA recommended that that project be rejected because it couldn't meet important objectives under the Environmental Protection Act and it would result in the extinction of up to 11 species of subterranean fauna. So the EPA rejected it. The company lodged appeals to, trying to overturn the EPA's recommendation. Mm-hmm. The appeals convener found that the EPA was right that the project would um, have a serious risk on, on the extinction of these species. Yeah. And then the minister agreed and said, yeah, we agree that the risk is really high. But later the minister um, decided to approve the mine anyway, mm. regardless of the fact that this mine would make so many species extinct. Um, and so it's been really disappointing for environmentalists, for scientists, for academics for lawyers, for people that, um, you know, follow environmental policy and law because mm. it shows just a complete disregard for for the AP Act um, and for science. So, yeah, it's had, um, it's had a, big, a big impact. But, again, you know, mostly the impact has been felt by pastoralists and traditional owners who've been fighting against this mine for a really long time. So Mulga Rock, Yaliri and Baluna, they're, they're all currently with Josh Frydenberg, Mm-hmm. Um, the federal minister for environment, and so yeah, I mean, if if people, if listeners wanted to do anything um, to to help the campaign in the west to stop these mines, it would be to call um, to call his office or send him a letter or an email asking him to stop the clock on the assessment of those projects. Hmm. <laughs> 
You're listening to AC on the Radioactive Show in my interview with Mia Pepper, nuclear-free campaigner at the Conservation Council of WA, about the rush to get a number of uranium mines approved in WA at the moment. I asked her about Kintyre, a proposed mine in the Pilbara on Madu country, which has already received ministerial approval at the federal level. Kintyre is different. Kintyre was approved at a state and federal level in 2015. Yeah. And that project has really been put on ice because of the uranium price. So the company made it really clear that the company's Cameco, they're a Canadian company, they made it really clear that um, that to the break-even price um, to make that mine just break even before that even make profit was US $65 a pound. And at the moment, the uranium price is around $24 a pound. So it's a long way from there to make the Kintai mine viable um, and so yeah it's it's really been put on ice we think that Cameco because they're a really big company and they've got deep pockets they will sit on that for a long time um, and hope for some some recovery in the in the industry yeah and pursue that later but it still needs a whole set of other approvals um, like it needs to meet about 30 odd conditions it needs to submit a range of other environmental management plans a mine closure plan, a tailings management plan, they need licences and permits. Um, so, it's, I mean, it, that mine's a long way from a done deal. And mm. these other three mines, they're a step behind in a way because they still need federal um, environmental approvals. Do you think there is a possibility he'll, he'll rush it through before the elections in WA in March? Um, no doubt there's some pressure for him to do that. Mm. Um so, yeah, I'm, I'm not, we're not sure what he'll do, but we definitely need to, um, you know, watch the process and make sure that everything that is happening is happening above board. Mm. And if it's not, then we've got, you know, um, good reason to, to look at options um, legally to challenge any approvals. So. Yeah, so in terms of challenging it, there is possibilities for challenging the legality of it? Um, yeah, for some, for some more than others, but um, it's mm. definitely something that we're looking into to make sure that we've looked at every option. Um, I mean, we've been working with these communities for a long time now, and and um, and we want to do whatever whatever we can to stop it. So we've got um, the Environmental Defenders Office here in WA has been looking at options. Um, yeah, and and we'll see we'll see what can happen. But the biggest opportunity that we have to stop these mines is at the state election because um yeah as i said the labor party and the greens party in wa oppose uranium mining um Mm. and if you know if we're successful in an election to get a uh, an anti-uranium party in power then we'll say all of these projects stopped so i mean that's what we're really hoping for now rather than fighting these mine by mine project by project, um, yeah, we hope to see a change in government and a change in policy. Yeah, well, um, Barnett's not looking very popular over in WA, so feeling hopeful about the election results in March. Yeah, it's true, it's true. We can be hopeful, but yeah. We'll see. um, Not complacent. Exactly right. Mm. 
All right. Well, good luck in the next couple of months in the lead up to that election, and hopefully we'll have something to celebrate in March. Let's hope so. That was Mia Pepper, nuclear-free campaigner at the Conservation Council of WA, talking about the potential impact of the state elections in WA, which could see the end of the reign of the pro-nuclear Liberal government of Barnett. Now let's broaden our view and have a look at the international scene. Jim Green is the national nuclear campaigner for Friends of the Earth, and he's been looking at the situation for the nuclear industry around the world and how that impacts on the local uranium industry in Australia. I started off by asking Jim what's happening with the nuclear industry on a global scale. Well, it's, uh, it's Groundhog Day, basically, um, because nuclear power has been stagnant for the past 20 years, and so nothing ch- has changed there, and nothing is likely to change for the next 10 or 20 years. Mm. Um, so as I say, it's Groundhog Day. But if we look at the numbers in, in finer detail, uh, there was a slight increase in nuclear power uh, around the world last year, and there will probably be a slight increase in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. So this is from all these reactors where they started construction in the uh, years just before the Fukushima disaster. They're starting to come online. So insofar as there will be any nuclear renaissance, it's happened last year and it'll happen for the next couple of years and it'll be uh, very weak and nothing like the industry expected. But... Um, more broadly speaking, the industry is in a world of pain for all sorts of reasons. Uh, one of them is that the global fleet of nuclear reactors is already quite old. They're in late middle age. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're already starting to see a, an increasing number of reactors getting shut down just because of all the problems associated with old age. Yeah. And even if, even if we look at figures produced by organisations like the World Nuclear Association and the International Energy Agency... Um, the bottom line from those figures is that we can expect six to eight reactor closures every single year for the next 20 to 25 years. So the industry will have to build six to eight reactors every year just to just to stay where it is, let alone to uh, to achieve any growth. So that's kind of a broad brush pattern of where we're at at the moment. Do you think um, the uranium price is likely to stay the same? It's pretty low at the moment. Yeah, at the moment it's incredibly low. It's uh, just over twenty dollars the spot price, and the contract prices are probably around about thirty to forty dollars. But uh, for new mines to be profitable, uh, for it to be profitable to build them and operate them, the price has to be roughly double that. It has to be somewhere in the ballpark of sixty to seventy dollars, and that's not going to happen quite some time. Uh, and it's interesting to look at the, the historical uh, reason for that. And the reason is that there was an awful lot of expectation in the late 2000s that a nuclear power renaissance was upon us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a number of uranium mines did open around the world. Uh, but of course, we haven't got any more power reactors. In fact, we've got fewer because of the Fukushima disaster. So you had an increase in uranium production and a decrease in the number of reactors. So logically, you've got a glut there, and um, so that's where we're at. There's a glut of uranium, and there will be for quite some years to come, and the uranium price will be quite low for some time. And, of course, that's good news for those of us in in uranium mining countries like Australia who are opposed to uranium mining. It's fabulous news, but it's also good news for the nuclear power industry. It means that they've got 
plentiful cheap uranium uh, at the moment and they will have plentiful cheap uranium for quite some years to come. You're listening to AC on the Radioactive Show and I'm speaking with Jim Green, National Nuclear Campaigner for Friends of the Earth. We're discussing the international situation and how that impacts on the Australian nuclear industry closer to home. So yeah, what does all this um, kind of situation internationally mean for the Australian uranium mining industry? Well, again, if we go back to that broad brush picture over the past 20 years, uh, nuclear power has been stagnant and it's highly likely that it will remain stagnant. You know, it might grow or decline 10% over the next 20 years, but probably not much more than that. Uh, So, you know, it's not good news at all for Australia's uranium industry. Uh, It might be that, say, when uh, Ranger is closed down in a few years' time, and, of course, they've already ceased uranium mining at Ranger in the Northern Territory. They're just processing the ore. It might be, say, when Beverly has also been mined out in eastern South Australia, that there's... Mm. Uh, there's the economic space for another uranium mine to open up in South, in somewhere in Australia, whether that's uh, possibly Yilary in WA or or somewhere else. But um, you know, it, at the moment there's two operating mines in Australia as well as Ranger processing ore. So if you say there's three mines, uh, then there's not going to be much more than that. Mm. I think this pattern of stagnation for the global nuclear power industry will be replicated in Australia and uh, it's almost certain that we can have two or three or four uranium mines operating at any stage over the uh, over the coming coming generation. And yeah, you mentioned you, Larry. What do you make of the kind of claims from Albert Jacob that it's going to be you know, a billion-dollar industry and create more than a 1,000 jobs yeah. in WA? Well... Uh, they're either ignorant or dishonest, so let's be generous and say they're ignorant, but he's saying it could be a billion-dollar industry in, in WA, but if you look across the whole of Australia, it's not even a billion-dollar industry. And uh, for the past 10 years, the average revenue from uranium exports has been $726 million, which is a long way short of a billion. And, of course, uh, the Australian uranium mining companies are not Australian uranium mining companies at all. They're either majority or completely foreign-owned. So most of that average $726 million in so-called export revenue never comes to Australia. And his claims about jobs are also ridiculous. He's anticipating that uh, jobs in WA's uranium industry will exceed jobs in Australia's uranium industry in total, which just simply is implausible. That was Jim Green, National Nuclear Campaigner for Friends of the Earth, talking about WA Environment Minister Albert Jacobs' approval at the state level of Cameco's proposed mine at Ulleri and the supposed financial benefits of the project. That's all for this week's show, where you heard me, AC, speaking with Richard Evan, Kuara Tribal Leader and Mia Pepper from the Conservation Council of WA, as well as Jim Green from Friends of the Earth. This show was recorded at 3CR Community Radio Station in what is now known as Fitzroy, Melbourne, but what has always been and always will be the traditional lands of the Rwandari people of the Kulin Nation. 
You can contact the Radioactive Show on our email. That's radioactiveshow.3, the number, CR, at gmail.com. That's radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. Or look up our Facebook under the name The Radioactive Show. Past episodes are available on the 3CR website. You need to go to www.3cr.org.au backslash radioactive. That's www. and then the number 3cr.org.au backslash radioactive. The track you heard in the background of today's show is I Choose to Be Free, the Mamu Gigi song by Kato Muir and the LYC crew featuring KJ. That's off the album Sounds of the Goldfields, which you can listen to for free on the West Australia Music SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com backslash musicwa backslash tracks. Let's finish off with that awesome song. Enjoy. In the dreaming, children were free. They played and lived and enjoyed life. But one day, these happy children were attacked by Mamo, the monsters of self-doubt, sadness, depression. At first, they ran away, but then the kids realised they could beat these monsters. They turned around to face their foe and stood tall to beat the monsters down. So this story brings the experiences of the dreaming into today. We can beat these monsters down. Mamo de de, yandara bobo. Mamo de de, yandara bobo. Mamo de de, yandara bobo. Mamo de de, yandara bobo.
change your stars to smile. It's been a long time coming that you happy for me. Now with my monsters, why? Cause I chose to be free. Uh, the monsters were chasing me. I said the monsters were chasing me. But I chose to be free. But I chose to be free. And no more monsters are chasing me. Anger and fear and doubt. Depression and sadness too. Just pain in our heart. Can walk in my shoes. And where do I start? Then with my breath through. I'll be the change that you want to see. Anybody and everybody can do it, including me. I lift my head up and stand tall. You see a monster shaking my feet. Shaking my, shaking my life. Another monster is chasing me. I want this race, a race that I can't be beat. I'm a stand tall for everybody to see. This is my time to do it for my family. All my sisters and my brothers and my fathers and my mothers. All of my family stay with me and choose to be free. All my sisters and my brothers and my fathers and my mothers. All of my family stay with me and choose to be free. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. 